I thought it might be instructive as, as publisher of this fine volume of criticism and argument regarding the contemporary novel to present the publisher's pers perspective. After all, that's what I know. Um, or at least a version of that, however devil's advocate it may appear to you. Um, I hope my fellow panellists will allow me the licence to claim the most conflicted and ambiguous of positions up here. Publishers are known, celebrated or vilified for throwing superlatives at novels, pestering peers to endorse and evangelise about debutants. We're also known for overpaying and underpaying for debut novels expecting too much or investing too little. I expect little sympathy, but the publisher's position is often a thankless one, and part of the reason for this is the nefarious position we occupy in the chain of command and communication from writer to reader. A publisher's relationship with a novel is never simple, because we, perhaps with the exception of the literary agent, are the first people to cast what is an essentially, essentially an art form into a commercially considered mould. The novel, and here of course I'm speaking exclusively of the literary novel, remains some 400 years into its life, perhaps, perhaps the most compelling and dramatic of narrative forms. It is also, for a publisher like Faber, some 80, 83 years into its life, it remains the most lucrative of narrative forms with which to find commercial success. The more cynical among you may concur that the good of the novel, in question marks, to a publisher is that it, or they, represent over half of the publishing turnover of a company like Faber. Ergo, novels are good because they make us money. Poems satisfy the soul, novels pay the bills. Speaking from the editorial perspective, herein lies the trick, the delight, the terror, and the frustration of a professional engagement with the contemporary novel. An editor's relationship with text should, but never can, be pure. I remember the best and yet perhaps least useful advice given to me as a rookie fiction editor in my mid-twenties, just buy what you love. I passed on the same words of wisdom to younger emerging colleagues at Faber, but in a world which brokers an irresolvable relationship between a cultural activity and commercial necessity, Faber needs these things, these novels, to sell if we are to remain in the business of selling itself. Just how useful is this advice? Publishing Ray's fantastically rich, thoughtful, and argumentative collection of essays has set me to thinking about that. Questions like, how and why do the present generation of editors respond to fiction? What pressures of the market, of the need to compromise taste, qualify the decision of process making behind which novels have to actually make it onto these shelves around us. Ultimately, if the market, that is the book retail market, or what remains of it, and a constituency of everyman readers didn't exist, what would we be publishing? And, we, and in what direction would the contemporary novel travel beyond these boundaries? In short, to make a comparison with the often used trope that democracy brings you, you the government you deserve, do the structures by which we select, support, and champion contemporary fiction bring us the novel we deserve? And if not, what might that be? Editors immemorial have found themselves, mostly subconsciously, I think, tussling with these questions. The most important and relevant qualification for a fiction editor 
at a house like Cape, Bloomsbury or Penguin is an idealised relationship with the novel form. This was what excited me about publishing Ray's book all those years ago. What is it about the long form? <laughs> what is it about the long form of dramatic prose narrative that allows us to construct grander narratives about culture and society through the imagined lives of others? And perhaps more problematically, how do, how do editors navigate a path between what they believe, love, and ha have faith in, the gospel of the novel, as it were, and the demands of a brutal market with an increasingly short attention span? How do we, as editors, reconcile our principal reaction to a book, i.e., it's good, I love it, I want to publish it, with the harder-learned knowledge that books like this or about that are known not to sell? The business of reading, selecting, and editing novels for publication is fascinating and involves dozens of processes. Good and bad decisions, decisions taken for the wrong and right reasons. What did Charles Monteith think when the multiply rejected MS of William Golding's Strangers from Within crossed his desk at Faber 57 years ago? What was his initial response to the novel that would become Lord of the Flies, one of the definitive novels of the 20, 20th century? I suspect it was visceral, a response similar to that of any sensitive reader who submits to the morally ambiguous world of a cruel and yet truthful book. Similarly, what instincts covered decisions taken by Faber editors to publish John McGahan, Ishiguru, Qureshi, Auster, Carey, and their 80 or so peers that make up the contemporary Faber list? To make these decisions, to work as a fiction editor, editor and have responsibility for maintaining and reshaping this landscape is a wonderful gift and privilege, the only downside of which is that you very quickly become an expert in mediocre, merely competent fiction. The magic of the process of discovery lies in a novelist's capacity to surprise, to deconstruct the known world and rebuild it through the imaginative lens of style. It also lies in the willingness of an editor to, to be seduced and in turn to feel that he can seduce others. If there is one thing that worries me about the future of the novel, it is that this element of, dis of surprise may disappear as certain narrative forms come to no dominate and others lose their currency. As we also increasingly seem to inhabit a world that prizes narrative, plot, character, and most noticeably place above style, what will happen to more adventurous, less familiar voices just as today's supposed indie music bears little resemblance to the music which emerged from a post-punk explosion on the alternative scene of the late 1980s, has our understanding of what is a literary novel changed so radically that the term is losing its relevance? Publication of Tom McCarthy's C last August led to a clarion call for the avant-garde in fiction, and it was encouraging to see the attention this book and the author's politics of the novel received. But it was also instructive to notice just how anomalous coverage for this ambitious novel seemed at the time. Other recent, perhaps even more radical attempts to reconstitute the novel form have received less attention and gained fewer sales. Gordon Byrne's majestic experiment in real-time writing, his news as a novel, born yesterday, springs to mind. Do readers want their contemporary novel to entertain 
or challenge, comfort or unsettle. And our publishers today guilty of not fertilizing the ground for future generations to grow new shoots for a new kind of novel? I hope the answer is no. It is not, I think, the novelist's responsibility to represent the world. Rather, it is in the gift of the novelist to transform the world and make of it a more morally uncertain and compromised place. Reading David Shields' extraordinary, occasionally baffling and pretentious, and yet always thought-provoking work of criticism, Reality Hunger, set me thinking about this. More novels exist at this moment in time today than at any previous moment in history, and yet somehow we feel the need to construct even more. Digital technology will help and hinder in this process and hopefully transform the narrative in as yet unimagined ways. But whatever the advances, and however quick or slow publishers are to embrace them, it is the mysterious power and authority which lies within a novel's opening or closing sentence that will remain transcendent. And it's a publisher's responsibility to ensure that these voices will be heard and evangelized about in a world that increasingly celebrates greyness. <laughs>